1: So one thing that you and I have talked about um, before that we were both kind of interested to see is the COVID-19 bill uh, that was passed December 28th of 2020 by President Trump. He signed a new COVID relief bill into effect. But what's really interesting about this particular bill was stuck between the 5,500 pages of legislation. Lord, (laughs) that's a lot of legislation. (laughs) A a lot of legislation was the demand that the Pentagon disclose what it knows about UFOs. Awesome. I know how this got included in a COVID relief bill. I have no idea. (laughs) I really do not understand how our government works most of the time. So I won't go into much trouble to figure it out right now (laughs) but anyway it's in there and so um as we we, when are we supposed to get disclosure so looks like it's coming i've got it written up in here someplace (laughs) so as we know i'm gonna say that again as we know the gauntlet was thrown that the pentagon has carol 180 days to comply with Uh the demands of our government so what does that mean we can expect The government is asking for a comprehensive analysis on unidentified aerial phenomena that have been collected by, quote, geospatial signal and human intelligence, end quote. The government is not letting the FBI off the hook either, as they, too, have to disclose the information they have collected on UFOs as well.
0: That's amazing. Isn't that
1: interesting? So uh, the name of said task force that has been asked to assimilate the comprehensive analysis of these unexplained encounters in the sky is called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, or for short, UAPTF. UAPTF. Yeah, that's quite the acronym, isn't it? So Mm -hmm. if you ever are reading something about this and you see UAPTF, You'll know what that means. It will mean unidentified aerial phenomena task force. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they're not going to include frisbees in that analysis. Maybe
1: I don't know how deep this is going to get, Carol. Possibly, you know, they fly. Yeah, and I do. They are uh, they are saucer shaped. Yeah, so there and you they go. can
0: be injurious. Is <laughs> <No. laughs> that even a word? They can cause
1: injury. I like <laughs> the word injurious, and I think we should try to use it a lot. That's a pretty clever word. I love it. Well, thank it. you. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, the UAPTF is a task force that ascended out of the rubble of a prior Pentagon agency called. The Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP. The Pentagon claimed that ATIP dissolved in 2012, but it actually kept going in other parts of the Pentagon. Ooh. The ATIP was collecting data and studying UFO encounters for the Pentagon. Oh, wow. Okay. Over time, some people in our government were given closed-door briefings on UFOs, but now our government is asking that some of that information be brought out into the open. Yay, government! Go, government, go! (laughs) I can only think that the reason that our government thinks that it is important now is in order to heal the great political divide we are experiencing in the United States. Oh,
0: I thought it was because of all the monoliths they're spotting. (laughs) And the monoliths. I'm sure that's that's part of
1: it as well, but that's a good point. (laughs) Both Democrats and Republicans want the UFO information to come out.
0: Well, yeah, wasn't it Reagan that said we need a common yes, enemy? Yes. And if we did have an alien, if we invasion, had an alien, we would all would bring together. the together. Entire world
1: together yes, as one. Absolutely. Oh yeah,
0: we're getting we're getting ready we're, for it. Yeah, we're
1: getting ready. <laughs> Finally, they agree on something, right? let right. Let's focus on the UFOs. If we have something bigger than us to focus on, perhaps we will stop focusing on each other and come together as a unified country or world, just like you said. Aliens would be a perfect resolution for this.
0: But aliens, you know, they matter too. And that's going to be- As an enemy, they
1: do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I You know, it's interesting as we get into talking about this a little bit more, I kind of don't know that I'm- scared of aliens i kind of almost think that they might be good
0: yeah i mean if we're gonna have everybody come together would it be better to have friendly aliens or evil aliens
1: friendly i think even friendly aliens can bring us together because i I think if they wanted to destroy us, they could have easily have done that by now. Mm -hmm. I think personally, they're trying to stop us from destroying each other. Right. That's what I think they're trying to do. And I have reasons for believing that. But let's get into this a little bit more. Because I've been doing some research on this, trying to figure out, first of all, what are they going to disclose um what can we really expect? Um so you know, hero journalist George Knapp, George Knapp. I love. He of course um is well associated with the UFO phenomena as he has reported on UFOs for years and he's the one that broke the Bob Lazar story I told a couple weeks ago. Right.
0: And for people who don't know, he's the host of Coast to Coast. He's one
1: of the hosts of Coast to Coast. Him and George Nori, Norrie. George Norrie. He and George Norrie are both hosting Coast to Coast. Right. Um, but he's great. Um, he's been tracking this looming disclosure to come from the government. Nap is trying to set the public's expectations by warning them that the disclosure they can expect to receive will be less than sexy. Okay, he didn't say that. Oh. Those, those are my words. He's <laughs> <It's> like, wow. <laughs> He's like, take the sex out of this. It's not gonna be about sex people. No, I he didn't say that I did. Um Nap recently did a great article for mysterywire.com regarding what's to come in the UFO disclosures. Nap says that some information may be unclassified, but the really good stuff that is super intriguing and can have major implications to national security will remain behind locked doors which i'm of course it will like they're not going to tell us that stuff
0: and that's what we really need is the juicy stuff we need the juice give
1: me the juice give it to me he said some of this information will probably be shared with certain committees so that they will be in the know but won't be disclosed to the public He also said that no budget has been set forth from which the UAPTF is supposed to work, and based off of the information and the huge amount of resources they must pull from, putting together a report as large and comprehensive as this one will be a daunting task and will take a great deal of time to complete. He does not believe the task force will make the June 1st deadline that is expected. Probably
0: not, but can they just dish it out to us in parts?
1: Like appetizer, I guess that will be depending on what the government says is okay and what isn't okay. seven-course meal, I'm fine with that. Have a little tidbit appetizer here, there, and the other, right. everywhere else. So uh, maybe because
0: it might be overwhelming for people to come out in like so, a 5,000-page document. Yes.
1: So, and that's the next part we're going to talk about. So, good segue, Carol. Nicely oh, done.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> I like it. So glad I was able to help. <laughs>
1: you did. Former director of ATIP, Lou Elizondo, told George Knapp during his reporting of mysterywire.com, quote, this is a process, not an event. Just like you said, it's a process. We're asking the U.S. government to engage in something that historically it never wanted to engage in. I think a lot of people have these false hopes that disclosure is here and all of a sudden have this huge announcement by the U.S. government, end quote. Elizondo told Knapp he hopes that this new task force will help Full Disclosure come to light eventually. So here's the deal, though, about Lou Elizondo. He is now on a reality TV show called Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation, which is on, once again, the History Channel. Yay, History Channel. History Channel is all over this. So they had the Skinwalker Ranch reality show. Now they also have this Unidentified UFO Investigation um, uh, show where lou elizondo is one of the key figures in the show and of course he used to run a tip which is the old program that was investigating UFOs. so right. if anyone's in the new no on ufos it's this guy and he's even said on the show that he can't even talk about all the things that he knows he can only talk about certain things but he's on this show as well as wait for it this is going to take me a while to get through because it's a very big title former United States Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, wow. Chris Mellon, as well as, get this, Tom DeLon. From, he's a former frontman from rock band yeah. Blink-182. Yeah,
0: I was going to say. Yeah. he's a, one eight, That's he, weird. Isn't
1: that weird? So he got done with Blink-182, and he's like, well, what else do I want to do? I know I want to find out what's going on with the government and aliens.
0: Poor David Bowie. <laughs> I bet he wished he was around for this. Yeah, I bet he does, too. David Bowie was a real big uh, believer in aliens. He was an alien.
1: Have you seen David Bowie?
0: He, I think he thought he was abducted, right? Didn't he have an experience? He
1: he was so eccentric and creative and artistic that it was almost like he was from another place because he was ahead of his time in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he really was. He was cool before cool was cool. He was cool. He was cool. So there you go. So anyway, you've got Chris Mellon, who is related to the Mellons of the Carnegie Mellon right. fame. He's got a long history with the government and his family. You've got this Lou Elizondo guy, and you've got the Blink 182 frontman. Yeah, so at least they're gonna have some good music. <laughs> they're while gonna have some good music while this. they're like driving around <laughs> looking for people to talk to. So anyway, um, it's a slew of other people as well, and they interview different military, government, and civilian witnesses on their UFO encounters. Well, there's a couple of things about this. Um, they talk, They had one episode in particular where they talked about the triangle-shaped crafts, and they never talk about the Phoenix Lights. And I'm like, why aren't they talking about the Phoenix Lights? That's one of the biggest sightings of a UFO craft, and they don't ever even bring it up. And I'm like, why not? Like, that's a huge story. Mm-hmm. But they talk about other sightings of similar crafts throughout the United States. Okay. So anyway.
0: Uh, Maybe they're saving that one best for last.
1: Well, there's two seasons out so far of the show, and both seasons are relatively short. I think one season has six episodes and one has eight. There's so much they can talk about. There's so many sightings. Like, I didn't even realize how many sightings there were until I started watching the show. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot of information out there. So Lou and Chris talked to people to find out what they have seen regarding UFOs and record their experiences. They even talked to other governments around the world to find out what's been happening in their countries. They also reviewed footage released from the Navy of three UFOs, the Tic Tac, which was seen in 2004 yes, off the, the USS Tic-Tac. Nimitz off the coast of San Diego. Yep. They review that footage quite a bit in which I think you and I talked about in a previous episode you were like, isn't it because it looks like a tic tac? And I wasn't sure. Yeah. It is it does look like a tic tac, like a big white floating tic tac. Yeah, a mint flavor. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's floating out there above the, the sea. And they're like, why is there a giant tic tac? Personally, out here? orange is my favorite tic tac. Orange is everyone's favorite. It is the best flavor of Tic Tac. It is.
0: You know, we should give our listeners orange Tic Tacs. My God, you're right. I know. Brilliant.
1: Yeah. It's like, remember Orange Tang? The astronauts yes. used to drink. It kind of makes me think of... Tic- orange Tic Tacs make me think of orange Tang. It's all related. It is. It's got to be. It's the juice of the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> tang and Tic Tacs. Tang and Tic Tac. So anyway, they re- they review the footage of the Tic Tac, and um, there's a couple more videos. The gimbal... And the Go Fast videos, which I think we both seen in 2015 off the Atlantic coast. So they have video footage of some of these crafts. They have lots of testimony from lots of people about things that they've seen. So they're just trying to find out, is there a government on the planet Earth that has leapfrogged everybody in terms of technology and can come up with these crafts that defy what we really know about how a craft can move? or is it something from somewhere U-S-A-U-S-A. else? USA. <laughs> <laughs> well, USA claims they have no idea. No. Yeah. But who knows? But we do have Area
0: 51. We have Area
1: 51, and that's when I'm kind of like with Lou who I think probably does know what's going on at Area 51. Now, he's I've never come out and said that, but if he is leading a tip, he probably has information That is deeper than what he can put on the History Channel will be my guess. And he has said, I can't disclose everything that I know. But here's the other thing about Lou Elizondo. And it's something that the actual show points out about him. He has worked in counterintelligence during his entire military career. Yes. So a lot of people do not trust him because his actual job is disinformation and throwing people off the scent of something else. Yeah. He says, however, that he legitimately believes there is something going on in regards to UFOs, and he quit his job with the military in order to pursue further investigations. The show itself is pretty good. They do talk to a shit ton of military people who are good to talk to because they would know what looks normal in the sky and what doesn't. Pilots and stuff like that. Yeah. They talk to defense contractors and Navy pilots, et cetera, to try to get a grasp on what they are seeing. So that's another question. Is this information legitimate, or is it just disinformation? Because as we talked about in area fifty one, ultimately they started it because they were developing secret spy craft that no one had ever seen before, and the UFO thing was great because it threw everybody off the scent of what they were really doing. So so is this another is dis- this another disinformation campaign. campaign?
0: Right. And it's really them testing out their own stuff. Yeah, yeah
1: that is a very viable question
0: yeah. like it it's kind of interesting because it's going I mean really there's been all this new focus now on conquering space yeah with a race to space with all the nations in the world and Mars colonizations and stuff so it could very well be that right or they do have to disclose it now because now that more and more countries are participating in this, they can no longer keep it secret right? because we all know the moon is completely colonized already.
1: <laughs> oh, and it is the dark side of the moon. Oh, the dark side with Pink the Floyd, do- the dark Pink side Floyd of lives them. over there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, that's the latest and greatest that I have on what's going on with the UFOs and disclosure that is to come. Um, like I said, George Knapp doesn't believe they'll make the June 1st deadline because they have way too many resources that they have to pull from to be able to produce a thorough report. Um, so I don't know. Like it, it could be all bullshit that the governments are just doing things to keep us under under not, not in the know, I should say. Or it could or be, or to give us a carrot
0: just to appease us for right. a little while, because yeah. you know we we are hungry for it. Mm-hmm. So they just are like, okay, let's give them something,
1: right? But then you listen to someone like Bob Lazar, and he's yeah. like, yeah, this stuff doesn't exist. And most of the pilots that they interviewed were like, I've never seen anything like this. I know we don't have this capability. Technology, we do not have this, um, and they they probably don't really think other governments do either, because humanity as a whole is all pretty much kind of. You know, in terms of our ability and intellect um, around the world. So I don't think that we are that far ahead of anyone, and I don't think that anyone in other countries is that far ahead of us. So that's why I kind of don't know that it's necessarily another government that's doing this, unless it is technology that we have figured out from actual spaceships how to use. (laughs) That could be it.
0: You know, we've been – there's always these theories about Antarctica – That we've found some really crazy stuff down there. And it could be we, like Bob Lazar said, we could be at that point now where we figured out some of this technology now.
1: Maybe. And maybe we're able to put that into some new crafts or something. Or it could simply be that that aliens are just around. And that's the other thing, too. When I was watching the um, Unidentified series on the History Channel, they did talk about quite a bit that a lot of times ufos will be found or seen close to uh, bases that have nuclear weapons and that they had had experiences where these crafts would f- like kind of float over certain like weapons nuclear weapons and disarm them which is where i get my theory that if aliens really wanted to hurt us they certainly could do that no problem we probably wouldn't even know what hit us but right. if they're flighting around and they're disarming nuclear bombs that tells me that they're trying to stop us from killing ourselves.
0: Yes, or they're disarming us before they come in for the final hit.
1: <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> they don't want us to use the bombs against them. That's right. So they're like, let's just they're just like, all these now. This is going to be our new home, guys. We <laughs> I love the mountains and the forest. It's and awesome, the but we can't let you we know. can't. We can't let them, them destroy ruin it, it before
0: we invade. Yeah. And, to,
1: and before we invade, that's no, also kidding. a very good way of looking no. <laughs> at it. <laughs> I'm always playing the other side. No, I'm kidding. I also actually recently watched um, Travis Walton's interview on Joe Rogan. Yes. And and that was interesting. Um, but he said that when he remembers being... now, explain
0: to people who. Oh, I'm Travis sorry. You're Walton right. Is. That's a
1: good point. Travis Walton had an experience back in the 70s in Arizona. He was a logger, and he and the, his fellow loggers were driving home one day, and they encountered a spaceship. And he ran out of his out of the truck where the other loggers were. He ran over to the spaceship, and they freaked out and took off. And he was abducted by the spaceship. And He said that he remembers when he was on board that he didn't have – in the moment he was terrified and he was like trying to get get away from them and he was really freaked out. And then later, of course, five days later, he shows back up and he remembers like just being freaked out. And then he saw actual people on the spaceship that kind of put a mask over him and then he conked out. Well, he says he's had a time to think about it over the years. He goes, I don't think I was ever in any danger of being harmed. He goes, I didn't have the sense that they were trying to hurt me. Um, he goes, so the fact that, you know, Hollywood is always trying to tell you that aliens are the bad guys. He goes, I'm not sure that I think that's true. And his, his abduction, I think, is one of the more credible ones. It's given yeah. the most respect because he had so many people witness him. Um, at the same time seeing the UFO seeing Mm -hmm. the, the beam come out of the craft and hit him like all of these people seven different loggers said they saw it and they all passed lie detector tests they all had their lives upended over this because everyone thought that they were lying or that they were crazy so the fact is is that and then they all thought at first that they had murdered him because he was missing yeah And then five days later, he shows back up, and he's okay, and he has this crazy memory of this UFO, and he validates everything that they have said. So um, there's a lot of substantial proof in the respect that, you know, the guy who gave them the lie detector test said it would be impossible if they're lying for all seven of them to pass. All seven of them passed. Wow. So including him when he got back. So yeah, so I kind of think there's some credibility to their story.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, they do say, like, when time passes, when enough time passes and the fear part is gone, you can kind of reassess your yeah. incident of yeah. what happened, yeah. no matter what trauma it was, and look at it more objectively. Right. And because that's why you are not did. as close to it. Like, we know in hypnosis, mm-hmm. you have to disassociate um, the person right. from the event when you're taking them back into hypnosis to overcome trauma. Right. Right, which is why we put people like visualize yourself in a chair, and you're watching a movie screen of yourself, right? Doing what you did in mm-hmm. the past, yeah. And because that's a form of dissociation, you're right. you're removing them from being in it, witnessing it firsthand. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I'm a little skeptical just because they're saying already they're saying they're not going to disclose the good stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of like don't get, get your hopes, hopes up don't get yeah. your hopes up too yeah. high and yeah. it still could just be like we don't know what these sightings are but exactly they, at least we'll put them out there for us to maybe right. see how many sightings there have been right and that's what i'm hoping for but we'll um we'll, we'll hopefully get more updates from you
1: yeah we'll see how it goes and yeah. um find out what happens around june 1st which is about 180 days from when the thing was signed so okay So my next little bit of news which is kind of uh fun according to coast to coast am representative justin humphrey a member of the house of representatives for the great state of oklahoma has presented a bill to the floor that would create an official open hunting season on bigfoot what <laughs> yeah. no yeah I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> you the, don't hunt Bigfoot. No, you don't. And we'll get into that. This is going to get fun. The bill says, quote, the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission shall promulgate rules establishing a Bigfoot hunting season. The commission shall set annual season dates and create any necessary specific hunting licenses and fees. End quote. The bill may be voted on as soon as February 1st, which is tomorrow yeah so tomorrow well, they might vote on this
0: actually it's in the past because when people are listening to right this, but that's
1: why i'm saying february 1st because when they hear this they'll realize we don't know yet if it passed good because by the time Holly, they you've hear already it like, yeah i thought about it calculated this in your head i've already calculated you're sharp, it Sharp, sister you're sharp <laughs> <laughs> so if it does pass then open season on sasquatch will begin on november 1st 2021 So, of course, this idea is targeting those who think they can actually hunt, kill, and or catch a Bigfoot. I'm sure Mr. Humphreys is thinking, why not take advantage of these guys and get some tax money out of the deal, right? However, the downside of this law is how easy would it be to mistake a person as a Bigfoot as they both walk around on two legs? Hunters could claim they were just out in the woods, Bigfoot hunting, and they thought for sure Jim Bob was a Bigfoot, so they shot him. Whoops. Whoops. So sorry for those of you who are named Jim Bob. I mean, no disrespect. However, as this article rightly points out, another clever way to look at this is by saying, well, Bigfoots are actually quite rare. Therefore, perhaps Sasquatch should be put on the endangered species protection list, which, ironically, it is in the state of Washington. Oh no! Yes, way. it is. In 1969, actually, it's it's in uh, Bigfoot is protected in two counties in the state of Washington. In 1969, Skamania County, which is just over the river yep. from us in Portland, probably a 30 to 45 minute drive, and it's tucked away deep in the beautiful forests of the Columbia River Gorge has the oldest known ordinance protecting Bigfoot from hunters. ScholarWorks.com says the Skamania County Ordinance number 6901, and to paraphrase, basically, they were saying that there's been an influx of scientific investigators as well as casual hunters, many armed with lethal weapons, coming to their county to essentially hunt for Bigfoot, no <laughs> which way. is pretty funny. So yes. just to protect the people that were in their, within their county and also to protect Bigfoot himself, Um, They said that any premeditated, willful, and wanting slaying of any such creature shall be deemed a felony punishable by a fine not to exceed $10,000 or imprisonment in the county jail for a period not to exceed five years. Wow. Five years for killing Bigfoot. And $10,000 for killing Bigfoot. They don't mess around. No, they don't. They're trying to cut down on the possibility of accidental shootings, I'm sure, but also actually killing Bigfoot, which would not be looked well upon in their community.
0: They're (laughs) really scared because a lot of men out here do look like Bigfoot. That's
1: true. (laughs) So although the law passed on April 1st, 1969. Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Commission Chair Conrad Lundy claimed, quote, This is not an April Fool's Day joke. There is reason to believe that such an animal exists, (laughs) end quote. So in 1984, the ordinance was revised and the felony charges were dropped to a misdemeanor that would include a $1,000 fine and a one-year sprint in jail if someone was found killing a Bigfoot. However, Section 4 does state that should the Skamania County coroner determine that any victim creature to have been humanoid, the prosecuting attorney shall pursue the case under existing laws pertaining to homicide when that that um movie came out in i think it was late 60s it showed the bigfoot walking along the river that yep. famous piece the of famous, film yep. um I can't think of what it's called right now. I used to know the name of it. Anyway, when that came out, I think it spurred people to go looking for Bigfoot in the woods. Oh yeah, And they had so many people, like this law suggests, there were so many scientists and hunters going out there that they were worried someone was going to get shot or, as stated here, they believe that he exists. So they created a protection of the Bigfoot Endangerment Act so that people couldn't shoot each other or actually kill and shoot uh, or shoot and kill a Bigfoot. The um, county in Washington to have passed Bigfoot protection laws is Whatcom County, which is a county that borders British Columbia. They passed their ordinance in 1991 during the Mount Baker Foothills Bigfoot Festival. Resolution number 92043 declared, quote, Whatcom County a Sasquatch protection and refuge area. It states, Whereas legend purported recent finding and spore suggests that Bigfoot may exist, and whereas if such a creature exists, it is inadequately protected and in danger of death or injury. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Whatcom County Council that Whatcom County is her- hereby declared a Sasquatch protection and refuge area, and all citizens are asked to recognize said status. So if you're a Sasquatch and you're listening to this, you want to head either that's to right. Skamania County or Whatcom County in Washington State because you will be protected if you go there. Yep. So there you go.
0: So that's um, so all you mm-hmm. Sasquatches in Oklahoma, hit, come on out to the Northwest. Hitch
1: hit a ride or get on a train. I'm mm-hmm. not sure you can make it through an airport, but do something to get up here. Yep.
0: And all we ask is that we can get a picture with you. That's right.
1: That's well, all Well, I... Yeah, just – well, no, And maybe a hair sample. Maybe video is a better request because – Some scat, maybe. <laughs> no, maybe an interview for the podcast. You know, we do need that. Because people are always saying, no, that's not a real photo or that's right. not a real video. But maybe if an interview.
0: But there would just be grunting. I don't think – I'm okay with that. Uh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. We'll, we'll have
1: Josh play the part of Bigfoot. <laughs> Come on, Josh. We know your game for this. <laughs> Come on, Josh. We know you can do it. This has been your this. starring role. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh, have you heard about the Netflix show called Surviving Death? Well, yes, I have how funny that I should bring this up, right? It's very weird. I just had uh, a meeting with
0: my daughter who is really encouraging me to watch that series. She just binge watched
1: nine episodes yeah, of it. It's easy to do. She said, Mom, it's so good. Yes, it is good. It's very interesting. Um, They go through a whole variety of, of ways to kind of think or maybe believe that life exists after death and they have a variety of like they have nine different episodes or something like that and each episode deals with a different way of looking at it so the first one is on near-death experiences they have one on uh, actually they have two episodes on mediums they have an episode on ghosts they have an episode on reincarnation reincarnation sounds like I'm saying reincarnation. Okay.
0: Yeah. I heard that, you know, they, they have some really compelling stories and a lot of doctors are on there. um, Yeah. Telling about their experiences too.
1: Yeah. And they have a lot of doctors who are studying this, which is really surprising to learn. I didn't think anybody was, but there are a couple places around the country where people are studying. There's a guy studying reincarnation, um, near death experiences. Like it's very interesting.
0: I heard that um, I heard. I think it was a few years ago that you can actually measure, uh, when somebody's alive versus after they've passed, and there's a slight change in measurement of, um, body weight, and they think that's right. the soul, the soul has leaving. Yeah. Isn't that so So the soul cool? has a little
1: bit of weight. Yeah, the soul has a little bit of
0: substance. Oh, excuse me. Soul
1: Train. Soul Train. <laughs> so anyway, um, a couple little snippets I wanted to share with you, which were my favorite parts of the show. Yes, please. The first one was, um, and I remember when this this doctor wrote a book about her near-death experience. I remember when that came out because she was interviewed like on the Today Show and stuff like that. And they interview her on this show. Her story is um, she was kayaking in Chile. Now, I don't know if I'm supposed to say Chile. Or Chile. I really like Chile. Chile. We'll go with Chile because I've heard it pronounced that way too. So she's kayaking in Chile and she got pinned under the water and she drowned to death. Her boat was trapped underneath a waterfall. She felt her body pushed up against the boat and she felt her bones breaking in her legs. Oh. You know how you're like tucked inside that kayak and stuff? Yeah. She wasn't scared and she felt herself float up and out of her body where she then encountered some beans She didn't really know. They weren't people, but she just described them as beings. Anyway, she said um, time and dimension shifted, which I think is interesting. She went down a pathway to a dome structure. She felt like she was in heaven and she felt like she was home. Um, But she could still see herself submerged in the water and she could see the other people with her trying to get to her. She was without oxygen for 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: What was the name of this doctor? I don't get it. Okay,
1: that's fine. Sorry, I should... um, I can probably find it pretty quick. Um, She was without oxygen for 30 minutes, and her companions knew they weren't going to find her alive. That's when one of the guys she was with saw her life jacket float by, and he swam after it. He wound up finding her in the water and pulled her up. They began working on her... um, I'm sorry, they began resuscitating her. As she watched all of this from above... She did not want to go back to her body. The beans told her she had more work to do and it was not her time yet. So she came to her kayaking friends put her on a boat and they walked her up to the road. Now they're in the middle of nowhere in Chile. Like there's nothing around. Closest town is a couple hours away. So they're trying to figure out when they're taking her up to this road, what are we going to do? Like we got to find a tractor, maybe somebody with a car. We got to figure this out. Bigfoot, Bigfoot, please help us. Somebody, we got to figure this out. So they get up to the road and guess what they found? A tractor. They found an ambulance sitting in the road. Of course they did. And they were like, why is there an ambulance here? This is the middle of nowhere. There shouldn't be an ambulance here. And why was it there? I don't know. She didn't explain that. So they put her in the ambulance and two hours later, they finally got her to a hospital because that's how far away they were from any kind of civilization.
0: So, like, there's an ambulance, there just happens to be keys left in it, full tank of gas. I think there was probably a I mean, paramedic. That's crazy. I'm assuming
1: there's a paramedic in yeah. the ambulance, but I yeah. I would
0: assume that is
1: crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, they get her to the hospital and they tell her husband, yeah, she's going to die, man. There's no way she's going to make it. She not only makes it, but she has to learn to walk again. And because she was without oxygen for 30 minutes, they're expecting her to have brain damage and she doesn't have any.
0: When you feel so special, if you could survive something like that and you were told your work isn't done here, you would know that you're not just...
1: It's true, but her experience was bittersweet because when she came back, she remembered that the beings had told her she had four kids, her oldest son was going to die at a young age.
0: Oh, so they had full on conversations with her, yeah. not just like you're going
1: back. Yeah. Yeah. They told her that her son wasn't going to live to be very old and that they just needed her to know that. And so she was freaked out because she did not want him to die. And she didn't tell anybody this. Like she was like, I don't want this to be true. So she thought he would die before his 18th birthday. She actually did finally tell him She she pulled him aside one night and told him, that she had been told that during her experience. And he was like, okay, mom, well, whatever. And he made it to 18. And she was like, oh, thank God. He made it to 18. Maybe the plans changed. You know, maybe he's not going to die now. Right, maybe
0: they gave him a grace period too. Right. Yeah,
1: they can do that. But two years later, he was hit and killed by a car at age 20. Yeah. So she was like, okay, well, it did happen. Just not when I thought it was going to so That sucks. She was very sad, of course, but she also knows he's in a good place. She'll see him again. It's so, so it's kind of a bittersweet situation because she had this experience that was devastating, but also comforting in the fact that because she had that experience, she knows it's okay.
0: She knows it's okay, and she also was given um, the warning, so that she probably spent more time and valued probably the relationship better. I mean, paid more attention. I think if we all knew that somebody that we loved in our life was going to be taken from us, maybe we would put more attention on those people. Yeah, I think that's true. A little bit more or prioritize our time a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So because I was thinking, why would they tell her that? That's terrible. But
1: yeah, you know. So that's one of the many anecdotes they have in this series. But the other one I want to tell you really blew my mind. (laughs) I've never seen anything like this before. And in fact, it was um, would have been a great addendum to your um, paranormal photography subject the other day. Right. Fascinating. Um, In the episode they have entitled Seeing Dead People, they tell the story of this guy. And he um, and I don't know if your daughter told you this or not, but this one really blew my mind. Um, Anyway, he they interview him and he goes, yeah, in 1991, I bought this house in Los Angeles they're walking around looking at the house he goes yeah he goes my dad had given me this polaroid camera the kind that when you take a picture it automatically prints the photo right there for you yeah um so he said one day he um noticed that his bathroom door opened on its own and he's like well that's kind of weird because that particular door you have to like lift up on it and get it to open he goes, but it just opened on its own he's like that's weird so he grabbed his camera and he took a picture. And when the picture developed a couple minutes later, he said there, there's this big white ectoplasm swoosh flowing through the photo. And he's it's like, in the shape of a Nike? Almost. It looked kind <laughs> of like that. You should have seen um,
0: Holly's gesture. She made like this total swoosh shape with swoosh. her finger as she was describing Just
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, he um, thought, okay, well, you know. Either there's something wrong with the camera, my dad's playing a joke on me, there's something wrong with the film, I don't know. So his friend comes over, he shows him the photo, he goes, look at this photo. And his friend was like, well, let's try taking another photo. So they take another photo of him standing in a doorway, and there's more of that stuff yeah so they're like well maybe something's wrong with the film so they replace the film with new film it keeps happening and then they keep taking pictures and then in one of the pictures they see it kind of looks like there's a person standing like it's like a vertical shape oh and they're like oh my god we have a ghost and they start joking about them having a ghost yeah so then later they have some friends over and they show them these photos and they're like yeah it looks like we have a ghost and so one of the friends says oh you have a ghost well ghost, are you here now? And he takes a picture. And I shit you not, the picture develops. And it says in that white ectoplasm stuff, yes. Yo, oh, wow. yes. It says the word yes. And they're like, holy shit, it's not supposed to be able to communicate. So then they start asking it more questions. Oh, it's like the Ouija board. Yeah. They say, what is your name? And they take another picture and it spells out the word right, W-R-I-G-H-T. And they're like, what Whoa. the fuck? And then they're like, are you a good ghost or a bad ghost? And they take another picture and it says the word friend. Oh, so it's Casper. Yeah, no, Well, that's but so it's communicating. Sweet. So then they have all their other people come over with their cameras and said, see what you can get. And so everyone's taking pictures, asking questions, taking pictures but the only time it works is on the... um, Polaroid picture. uh, Hold on. The Polaroid spectra film that is used in those cameras. So that's the only time it would show up. So they were taking pictures, taking pictures. Well, eventually, Kodaks or Polaroid or whoever stopped making the Polaroid spectra film. So right. they can't communicate with it anymore. Isn't that weird
0: that it's called Spectre Film? Yeah,
1: that is weird. That is so weird. Yeah, and they're catching a specter on Spectre Film. I know. Yeah. So anyway, they took about 12,000 pictures. <gasps> what? 12,000. And he shows you all of these, not all of them, but he shows you a big lot of them in this documentary. That's an obsession. mind-blowing. It's mind-blow- if it's true, it is mind-fucking-blowing. So... This communication just went on and on and on and on and on for years for as long as they had access to the film. What was the most profound thing this ghost said to them? I don't know that they didn't really get into. And I wish that they had because that's a good question. But um, I think just the fact that they could communicate with it, it was amazing. Um, yeah. And they did look up to see if there was someone named Wright associated with the property. The guy said they found four people that were vaguely associated, but it was unclear what those associations were and which right ghost was haunting his house. (laughs) So they never really figured it out. But yeah, that part was really amazing. I, I just sat there and I was like, I cannot believe it's communicating to them through photos.
0: Wow, that story is so
1: awesome. Yeah. Carol, what do you think we should do our tarot reading about?
0: You know, I'm really excited about, of course, the alien disclosure, Me UFO too. disclosure. Me
1: too. Should we do um, a reading about what the alien disclosure is going to be? We should, but
0: we should change it up. We should do an oracle reading tonight.
1: Very good idea. Would you explain uh, what oracle cards are versus tarot cards for the no. listening audience? No. Just make them Google it. No.
0: <laughs> Oracle cards are usually just a one-card draw, Yeah, and it's more a message uh, rather than a spread of yeah. past, future, present, or any sort of... Right. Um,
1: it's just one message. I mean... And it's not based on tarot either. Right. And people can use Oracle cards like tarot decks, but I think you and I just like the one-card draw for Oracle cards. I do. So, yeah. cool.
0: Because I, I like to draw an Oracle card to set my intention for the day of right. like... Okay, what what is this day gonna be like for me? Right. And then I pick a card and if it's bad, then I put it back and draw another one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> As you should. That's why I like <laughs> Oracle cards. Awesome. Okay, guys, we'll we'll be right back. Okay, I am using the Seasons of the Witch Samwen Oracle. Sawin. Sawin. God damn it. I'm using the Seasons of the Witch Sawin Oracle deck. Um, authors Lorraine Anderson and Juliet Diaz with illustrations by Giada Rose. Um, and I pulled the journey card.
0: And I love this deck because it has actually red edges on
1: it. It's red gilded edges on the cards. It's really beautiful. Oh,
0: my gosh. You pulled the journey card. I pulled
1: the journey card, which is so funny because when we were talking about it, Lou Elizondo had said this is not going to be an event. It's going to be a journey. You wow. know? So I think he's right. And I think that we will find out things that- – with baby steps I think we're going to find out little bits of information as we go and we'll learn more and more as we progress but I don't think it's going to be an all at once type of situation and that's what I think that means and when I looked it up in the little book that comes with the deck did um, it expand
0: on it at all
1: yeah there was one part If you have drawn the journey card, it is because you need to trust your process. You cannot skip past the lessons, trials, triumphs, or hardships that you face. Each step is an important milestone. It can be hard to see the sun when clouds surround you, but know, dear one, that your journey is as it needs to be. Discovery comes when your back is to the wall and you have to find a way to leap from danger. Wow, that's beautiful. So I'm thinking that because... It is going to be such a big reveal if, if it turns out that aliens are a thing that we're going to have to very slowly be eased into that understanding versus a surprise, the aliens are here. You know, I think it has to be a very slow, subtle build up to that knowledge. That's okay. what I'm thinking that means. It's a journey. It's a journey. And process. And a process. Well, thank you.
0: I am using the Earthly Souls and Spirits Oracle by Terry Foss and Sarah Foss Robinson. And uh, the card that I drew, well, I first drew a card and I didn't like it. That's right. Carol didn't like her card, so she stuck it back in the deck. As we know, she likes to
1: do with Oracle cards. Yeah.
0: Because I was honestly thinking about Bigfoot. I have to admit, uh, my mind was wandering (laughs) Yeah, terrible. If your mind wanders, you really just have to redo it. You have to really focus.
1: We should go out to Skamania County sometime and go for a hike. (laughs) I know we
0: should. So the second time I was a little bit more focused and I got the wisdom card when I drew it. Nice. And I love this one um, because, you know, of course, when they're disclosing this information, it brings wisdom. Um, Probably will have some great... Uh, knowledge from that that yes we're not alone in the universe i mean that alone will bring great wisdom and when i actually look at the definition of the oracle cards it says the elder wisdom for humanity so i thought that was really cool that is very cool speaking about elevating humanity's wisdom yeah
1: yeah because if aliens are um real they obviously have a much higher intelligence than we do. So to learn about them and to know what they know would definitely elevate our wisdom for sure. Yeah. And just
0: in case you're curious, what the first card was that I drew was joy. And, you know, since I think they're going to be evil, I wanted to throw it. Back. So, um, just to confess what I drew first of all. So awesome. I, I, I didn't want Holly to be right.
1: <laughs> See you guys later. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. They even talked to other governments around the world to find out what they've been... Ha- what, oh, fuck. <laughs> Here we go. Resolation... Oh, fuck. Every, every sentence I'm going to start now is going to be with the word fuck.
0: As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted.
1: Guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.